smaller on the outside. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SotoCast, the first, the best, and the only Doctor Who podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I will be the Time Lord with you this evening, and with me as always is... Andy. Who will be the lone Cyberman today? Or will so, how, be the timeless... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you could be a timeless child if you want. <laughs> I mean, that's up to you, but I would prefer to be a lone Siren because I think a lone Siren is pretty cool. Um, so we are back. We missed a week on the podcast due to illness uh, in my town. Illness is going rampant this entire year. Uh, we've gone through quite a bit of things, and I'm still not 100%. I, still, I think I got a cold now, but it, it just keeps coming. And I think this keeps I'm going. Immune. What? And I think I'm immune. I never get sick. Well, you're not. Well, you're not <laughs> in this town. But this entire town, I'm telling you, is sick all the time. Anyways, so we're gonna cover two episodes this time around. Uh, the two episodes that we're covering is "Can You Hear Me" and what was it? The, the haunting, haunting of Villa Diodati. <laughs> yeah, yep, that one. I think I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. You probably are, but hey, you know, no judgments here. So I, I got a couple of things to say before we actually start uh, the episode. Uh, the first is I want to give a shout out to a uh, a listener. Okay, now uh, her name's Celine. Okay, hi Celine. Hello. Uh, Celine would uh, Celine would like us to know that. Uh, she tried to listen to the last episode, but uh, she 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 couldn't handle the crying child. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that is totally understandable. I could barely handle it when I was handling it, but you know, it happens. We don't we don't have a studio, and you know, elements of the life can uh, affect us in ways that we cannot perceive. Uh, it should be okay this time. should be. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for trying out the podcast. I don't know if you're listening right now or not. Uh, but if you are, thanks for tuning in once again. A couple of other things I want to say. I did read the second issue of the comic book, uh, which also stars David Tennant. They're doing the whole uh, don't blink episode right. and uh it's mostly the same thing as the first issue which was you know the doctor went and staked out martha the companions went and staked out david Tennant's doctor only this time the companions actually interacted with him uh and he doesn't know too much about him he doesn't he doesn't know that they're companions yet he does know because of his wibbly wobbly timey timey wimey machine detector thing that uh that they're time travelers. He knows that much. Right. However, Martha knows that the doctor is the doctor now. Uh, I'm not sure how this is going to pan out. It's probably just going to be a memory wipe thing because if she knows now that the doctor is the doctor, wouldn't she have mentioned it at some point? Well, and the I thing is, when whenever doctors come into contact, they never remember that. And, right. I, th and I, that's think, probably I think the same thing is true of the companions as well. I don't think the companions remember what happened either. Oh, that's weird. 
And well, the doctors have not yet in the comic books have not run into each other. My guess is they will. Uh, but they haven't yet. So I've yet to see how that'll turn up. The last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, this random news article that I read about an American writer that pitched three stories to Doctor Who. And they're like, they said, basically, they said no immediately. And they said, we've never had an American writer write for our show. And if we did, we wouldn't start with you. And the American was it? It was the son of Stephen King, Joe Hill. Uh, Joe, yeah, and I've read some of Joe Hill's works. He's a pretty good writer. He is, and he he would have had some uh, interesting stuff. I mean, he's got he's got movies out now based off of his stuff, just like Stephen King does. But obviously, he doesn't have as much of an expansive collection as Stephen King. But they write similar huh. stuff. That seems seems. Um, I mean, I I understand the thing about not wanting an American writer, but the specifically uh, being against him. That's that's apparently how it was. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, you have you have Doctor Who episodes that are indeed that kind of kind of that theme. You know, uh, it can get dark. It can get kind of scary at times. Uh, and they often write supernatural things, which you know. That's Doctor Who. It could easily be transformed into a Doctor Who episode, in yeah. my opinion. But I don't know what he wrote, uh, but they turned him down pretty much and didn't really hear him out. He had three pitches. He he worked with some previous Doctor Who writers uh, to do it. And, yeah, they shot him down, like, immediately. Wow. So that Interesting. Um, interesting to hear. Anyways. So we're going to talk about these two episodes. Now, before we do that, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsors. Take it away, me. What a great, great commercial break myself. Um, okay, so let's talk about this first episode, or otherwise known as, what is it, the sixth the sixth episode? Uh, the sixth episode? I believe so. Yeah, it's the sixth episode of season 12, series 12, if you're in the UK. It's called... Can you hear well, me? Well, it depends on. Uh... Actually, no. This says see. This says episode seven. There wasn't. There wasn't a special on uh, New Year's, was it? That was just the first episode. Okay, so this is seven. The next one's eight, and then there's the two-part finale after that. Okay, I got it. Uh, so this yes. is episode. This is episode seven. My bad. My bad. So, can you hear me? All right, this is mostly a uh, kind of a standalone episode. It has like one thing in it that's kind of relevant to what the series has been doing, the season has been doing up mm-hmm. to this point. Uh, but for the most part, this has been a standalone episode. And it, in my opinion, it's probably the weakest episode of the season. Um, it had some interesting... Um, I, I would say the, the villains are, are interesting but I didn't think what they did with them was as interesting as it could. Yes, they were definitely interesting villains. Um, they're basically Freddy Krueger, you know, <laughs> you know, because it has to as, do as with gods. nightmares. and <laughs> not, Yeah, Freddy Krueger, the god. That's exactly <laughs> what this episode was. But uh, it takes place um, a little bit in Syria and Sheffield. 
But the, it starts off in, in Syria in the year 1380. 1380s, so, so a little ways back in the time. And you got what I said Syrian chicks in my notes, but they're like nurses. Yep. So this both this episode and the next episode open up on a cold open. All right, so there's no uh, intro theme before it. So we have the, the these chicks, they're running around. And it's, it turns out they're running away from this monster, this monstrous thing with big claws, uh, which is what attacks them before it goes into the opening credits here. Um, now, the doctor, I don't think that knew what that was because it wasn't a thing. It was a nightmare, you know, kind of creature. It was a creature made up in nightmares. Right. So it didn't actually have a real history. Next, uh, we go to Sheffield. The doctor's handing off her companions to their families to, I guess, just hang out. I don't know. It's eat one of dinner. those days where you, you where you come back and visit, you know, accidentally yeah. show up on the you wrong know, day just, sort of thing. Like, oh, shoot, we show up in uh, modern day. There's nothing to do here. Why don't we just go hang out with our family and act like nothing has changed? Uh, but what's important to note is we're getting our first glimpse at this guy, this uh, this Freddy Krueger fellow, I called him the ghostly man when he first showed up because he had this like black smoke that followed him around. He kind of popped in and popped out like Nightcrawler and the X Men, and uh, <laughs> he's he's showing up here. Now. He showed up in the TARDIS again. What's up with the TARDIS? Isn't it supposed to keep things out? Yes. Things just keep on showing up in this. <laughs> They need to uh, like up the ante in the security system. I feel like their that that or shield the, that they used to have is just not working anymore. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it just got attacked too much by Daleks or something. I don't know, but he shows up in the TARDIS just for a second, and then he just he just pops away, and then everybody's hanging out with their family, and they're talking about having nightmares and stuff like that. Um. And uh, back at Syria, I guess the doctor decided after she <laughs> left everybody with their family, she would just go, you know, back to Syria. Because right. why not? I guess she doesn't need companions. Uh, she goes to uh, Syria. She checks out the, you know, the stupid nurse. And uh, she <laughs> and then the doctor takes her away, you know. Because, but she says that one of them, the one of the monsters, might still right. be there at Syria. So they leave, and they they, uh, I guess they head back to Sheffield. And what? And once again, sure. we have another example of the Doctor bringing a a uh, a non companion on the TARDIS, right? That's over right. and over again this season. It's happened a lot. It's like uh, Peter Parker showing his true face as Spider-Man in all the movies, <laughs> and it's it's a wonder how the entire city doesn't know his identity. Especially, especially um, in uh, Venice, was it? <laughs> Venice. In Venice, that's right. Just kind of literally just swinging around suitless. Uh, so, actually, that happened Spider-Man 2, 3. 3. Spider-Man 3. Yeah, yeah right, so, the beginning of that, yeah. Yep. So, Spider Man, not Spider Man. <laughs> <I'm> so confused. <laughs> I got a little bit. 
Uh, my my brain's going back and forth this morning. There's so much happening. All right, so everybody's having nightmares in Sheffield. Graham is having visions. I'm not sure why he's having visions, uh, but he's having visions of somebody freaking out, is in trouble. But everybody else yeah, he, is having nightmares of 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 the girl, right? Girl and the planets. The girl and the planets. That's right. Uh, but everybody else, nightmares, ghostly man who can take off his fingers and have him fly <laughs> that around creepy, rooms. I gotta say. That was creepy. Now, Joe Hill could have probably written that. <laughs> All right. So, so, let's see. Ryan's brother has the nightmare. No, is it his brother? Ryan's brother. I think it's just a friend. It's yeah, mate. It's just a mate. That's right. Yaz has uh, has a nightmare of the ghostly man. Um. Uh, and then Ryan's mate has the nightmare as well, getting a wet willy from uh, the the ghostly man, because you know like he takes the finger and sticks it in his ear. Whatever. Right, and when, when uh, Graham got the vision, he was he was dealing a deck of cards, right? And he just—it's <laughs> like uh, I think he lost count because he just got cards off the table. That's right. <laughs> lost count. So, all right, so so 13 takes the nurse out of the TARDIS, like we said, uh, when the companions are complaining about these nightmares and, and the dark stuff happening. And uh, she finds out that the creatures do not exist in the database, like I said, because they're not actually creatures. They're nightmare things. Mm-hmm. Uh, though you'd think the TARDIS would have at least something on nightmare things. Uh, the com- Companions talk about this ghostly man. Graham talks about his visions of the woman, the, the burning planets. And uh, 13 talks to the TARDIS at one point. The TARDIS is like beeping and, and making noises. And 13's responding to it like, no, no, no. <laughs> Whatever. Yes. Just actually communicating. Yeah, talking back Where's and forth. Where's the translator when we need it? Where's the translator? The translator. Uh, that translator is uh, conveniently sometimes not working. I've noticed that. Yeah, it doesn't always work. Like for example, so, the Jadoon. They. Yeah. The Jadoon. Go put you do. Yep, those guys. So they follow the signal, whatever the signal is, to a ship, of some sort. Everybody goes to the ship. And uh, it's, I, I guess it's um, the telepathic circuits. The right. telepathic circuits bring they the TARDIS to the ship. did that before with, uh, and... was it, uh, was it Clara or was it, was it uh, Bill that did that before? Uh, Clara. Oh, it was, it was Bill. Clara. It, it was Clara and it was also uh, Danny Pink, wasn't it? Or not Danny Pink. It was, uh, yeah. Was it Danny Pink or was it? No, it was Clara, but she was thinking of Danny Pink, so they went to his his memory. Gotcha. So let's see what happens here. They see the video feed of planets colliding. Uh, something's in the middle of these planets that stopping them from colliding. And Graham believes that's where this woman he saw in his, saw in his vision is being trapped. And uh, Yaz, on the other side of the ship, finds a bunch of fingers that are strewn up, psychically feeding a signal or something. <laughs> I don't know how fingers psychically do anything, but they do! 
meanwhile, the Syrian nurse just kind of walks away from everybody else. This is what happens throughout this entire series. People just wander. Yeah, and the doctor never notices. Not and nobody ever knows anything. Uh, and then she she winds up in a prison of sorts where the ghostly man shows up and attacks him with his uh, dismembered fingers. I think they again. all found. Didn't they all find uh, their friends or whatever their their people uh, in that prison? So the the nurse lady found the other nurse in there, you know, and uh, Ryan found his mate and uh, Yaz. Her, what was it? Her sister, her friend, or I don't know who it was. I'm not sure. Yeah, all the people that they were there I'm not... to before. I don't know about Graham if if any of his buddies showed up there or not. I don't think I don't think so. But um, but yeah, all the people they were talking to before showed up in that prison. I think they were taken by uh, yeah. taken by the boogeyman. Yeah, and everybody has visions. Um. I don't think mo- I don't think any of them are really that important, other than Thirteen's vision. Right. She says something. She has a vision of the timeless child who looks like a young black girl. Uh, so is that Ruth? Mm. Okay. I mean, it's the only thing that I could think of. It makes sense to me, but that, uh, but that would mean that Ruth grew up for thousands of years. I feel like. If she's the Time Lord, it takes her that long to get to her age. It's it's never certain uh, how aging works uh, as a Time Lord. Uh, from what I can tell, I think the early ages work the same as humans. So like one year to one year, and then maybe once you hit an adult, then you start slowing down. That's what I'm thinking. It's like it's like a cat. All right, so yeah, exactly. so um. <laughs> So this guy, I've been calling the ghostly man or Freddy Krueger. His real name's Zellen, I guess. Sounds right. Now, Zellen, yeah, Zellen presents himself to Dr. 13, originally thought to be a myth, like a god, you know? He's talking about games, mind games in particular. He likes to transmit nightmares because he's a monster from Monsters, Inc., and scares are powerful, uh, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he also uh, mentioned... He manipulated the doctor to free another god, which is the woman, I guess, in the vision. And uh, we get a lot of exposition about how they're gods and how they made a wager a long time ago to discover which god can make a world We got a little cartoon, didn't we? We got a little bit of a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of a PowerPoint presentation. And... uh, Basically, I mean, how long does it take a god to burn a planet for, for realsies? Apparently, it's been taking a long time. I don't know, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't because, I mean, well, they're gods. They could just, like, snap their fingers like well, Thanos. Well, yeah, they, but they go to Earth later, and and yep. sh- she's like, well, I could just do it all at once, but I'm going to take my time, right? So... Yeah, I think it's just a matter of we have eternity. Why? Why do everything so quickly? Right. They yeah, they're insatiable. That's yeah. right. They just they they like to savor the flavor of people dying. So yeah, they head they head out to Earth, and their plan is just to basically kill everybody. And the doctor 
the companions, the nurse, they all show up and they fight the immortals by basically just conquering their own fears, which is a nice sentiment. Uh, <laughs> basically, it was the nurse. The nurse was afraid of that uh, monster that we saw in the beginning, but she could conquered her fear. She stood up against her fear and then she could control that beast, um, which attacks the immortals, which I guess is enough to, you know, what them. I, a theory I came up with while I was watching this is all those fingers on the ship. I was like, they're going to take those fingers and they're going to be able to control those gods with the fingers. <laughs> yes. I thought that would have been cool. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we go on to see that everybody else attempts to conquer their fears as well to help, uh, you know, destroy the guys. That's basically how that episode ended. The main thing, like I said, thing that happened in that episode, I think, is the vision of the timeless child. Uh, because that has been the theme of the season so far. It was a black child. It could be Ruth. Um that that's it. That's the only thing that really happened in the episode. I think, like I said, it was probably the weakest episode of yeah, the season. I, I I think I sort of tuned out in parts while I was watching the episode. <laughs> yeah, the next episode, episode eight, is the haunting of Villa Diodotti, whatever. <laughs> uh, stronger, st- stronger episode, but I would say half of it. Yeah, wasn't. like honestly, the the first half or so, I was now now side note. While I was watching this episode, we had plumbers in the house and they were running these sounds. And so we yeah. had to keep pausing the episode. So there's parts of it that I may have actually missed. Um, so that may have contributed to it. But during maybe the first half or so of the episode, I was like, I just didn't care. Yeah, uh, the first half of this episode was kind of a bore. It wasn't until like the Lone Siren shows up in the episode where things actually start picking up. Uh, but uh, majority of it, I didn't care who the characters were. Uh, they're just stuffy rich people like talking about ghost stories, uh, and that was about it. But yeah, it takes place in Lake Geneva in June 1816, and uh, the whole idea is that one of these people is Mary Shelley, the creator of Frankenstein, and this was the night that was supposed to inspire right. the story. Basically, now I'm not entirely familiar with Mary Shelley and her story because there was a guy there whose name was something Shelley, and she wasn't technically Shelley, but she goes by Shelley. She goes. Uh, she she was Mary, and he was Shelley. So I'm gonna guess they got married at some point, probably after this night. And so she wasn't Mary Shelley yet, maybe. Yeah, I think that's probably the truth, but I wasn't sure at this point who actually wrote uh, uh, Frankenstein because I got confused which Shelley was the most important. Now, you know, like you they're know apparently both important. Interesting about this story is there is an audio story that's basically an alternate version of this. It's not it's not the Lone Cyberman, but it had the Eighth Doctor, and it's an alternate version of how they got inspired to write, uh, you know, Frankenstein. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so conflicts it, with the canon of the audio stories, which sort of, 
I was always wondering about that. Like if something's already in an audio story or in a comic book or whatever, can they deal with that in the show or are they just basically going to ignore it and say that if the show ever does anything that contradicts those things, are those things just no longer canon? Is that sort of how? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how canon works with these things. It's confusing. Um, but anyways, yeah, this takes place on a stormy night. Uh, apparently, it's during, uh, what, what was it, a, a year with no summer? Yeah, that, like that. that's what they called it. Yeah. I, know, I never heard of that, if that's an actual historical thing. Um, but I've never heard of that. Mm. Uh, we had a bunch of rich people telling scary stories, and then a pounding on the door or window shows up. And uh, upon investigating, they find out the doctor and her companions are there for no real reason but to be there, I guess. Um, I mean, obviously, reasons show up. Because wherever the doctor goes, trouble follows. Or or is it just the fact that the TARDIS knows that there's a problem arising and everybody has to show up to investigate it? I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, so we learned that this is the night at this point that inspired Frankenstein and one of the girls there is Mary Shelley, like I said. And the next scene after they, uh, you know, welcome the doctor and companions there is they 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 dance. <laughs> they dance. They uh-huh. dance. Because when whenever strangers show up in my house, I say, guys, you want to come in and, and dance? Of course. They were drunk, weren't they? <laughs> I don't care how drunk they are. That was just weird. I feel like it was filler. Um, 13 is all like, well, guys, let's stop dancing and let's start writing a ghost story. Mary. Hint, hint, um, hint. Me, hint, hint, hint. Wink, winky, wink. Let's get the ball rolling because I don't like dancing. Uh, meanwhile, ghost-like happenings are starting to occur in this Adams family-like Did you house. Say the happening, like for instance, the happening, <laughs> the ghostly oh, happening. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that happens uh, is a dismembered hand that walks on its own, which is like the Adams family, you know, thing. Oh no, we're getting copyrighted. Oh, that's right. That's how it works. <laughs> And uh, Graham is wandering about looking for the body, I guess, during this section. He just has to go because so much rain uh, but outside, they you know. invented it yet, right? Uh, that's right. He'd probably have to go outside, go to the uh, outhouse. outhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the doctor figures out that something about the house is unrelentingly evil. evil. And... Uh, Ryan says that somebody in the house looks like death, and that was enough for them to challenge Ryan to a duel. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This episode's is, weird, yeah. man. They were drunk, right? That's the ex- explanation for all this. The That's always the explanation when weird things happen. Oh, just drunk stuff, or maybe high <laughs> or something, I guess, if it's more of a modern story. Uh so, but then the uh, dismembered hand shows up in the same room and tries to choke out Ryan, but then somebody else shoots. Did they it. shoot it? I thought they hit it with a pan. It could have been a pan. 
I just know that the next thing that happens is somebody says, nice shot. I think it was the doctor that said, nice shot? So I, just, so I just said, yeah, so yeah, I just said that it was somebody shot it, so, because they had a right. nice shot. Whatever. 13 can tell that it's nothing abnormal, it's just human, but one of the guests is like, I may have a skeleton in my closet. <laughs> so 13. So 13 is all like, well, we must go take a look at that, shan't we? Uh, they take a, take a look at old Skelter, and they tell the tale of how Mr. Shelley saw an apparition at one point or another. And Mr. Sh- M- Mr. Shelley, or Mr. whatever his name is, Mr. Shelley's not there right now. He's missing. Right. But he should be there. History says he was there, but he's not right. there, which is a problem. By the way, uh, I don't know if you... If you noticed it, um, but one of the, or I don't actually know if, if it, they specifically said it or not, because like I said, I missed half the dialogue in this episode. But one of the people that was there was is named Lord Byron, and they are the father of Ada from Spyfall. Oh. So there's a, there's I did a not catch there. that. And the doctor, okay. uh, supposedly at some point, the doctor says that they knew a- Ada, but I don't know in what words she said that. So. Yeah. Okay, so when 13's talking about this haunted house, she tries to leave a room, but she can't because apart from being an Adam's family house, it's also apparently a Scooby-Doo house. <laughs> you know, she starts walking out one door and ends up back my, in the same room. Like a, a Pac-Man they realize- house. Pac-Man house, and they realize that something is outside. Lightning is striking it. It's very strange. One of the guys walks through a wall like he's a ghost. Just a whole bunch of weird paranormal stuff starts happening in this house at this point forward. Uh, uh, the doctor two has dead people. I see. Right, two dead people. He, yep, he is the grown-up child from the Sixth Sense. Um. The doctor tests out a theory and reaches her hand through the wall, and he she 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 realizes it's a perception filter. And uh, they find a door hidden from their eyes, and they find a house within a house, or so so called you know houseception. Now, is this the? Um, I feel like a perception filter was mentioned recently as well in another episode this season. Yeah, it was. Yeah, perception filter with the master. Right. Yes. Okay. As the Nazi, as the Nazi, the perception filter this season. That's interesting. Could yeah. could uh, uh, Ruth have a perception filter? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so the thing that's outside now shows up inside, and that's when the episode starts to get a little bit better. Starts grabbing uh, attention. It's a Cyberman. <laughs> it's a Cyberman. A lone Cyberman. I was and, completely uh, not you can tell it's a lot, this, by the way. I was very much, I really I was very much expecting this to show up in the finale. Me too. Because, like, Cyberman, Cyberman, or whatever, that's in the you know, finale titles See, okay, in that, somewhere. That you know? is one thing I did accidentally read uh, a while ago. <laughs> So, the, all right. So it's a lone Cyberman, and it looks interesting because half of its face, its mask, is like ripped apart. 
and you can see its face underneath, its human face. And not only that, but it also acts slightly human. Uh, it acts more or less like a Cyberman, but it also, you know, doesn't. It calls things funny and uh, it is somewhat kind to a baby, it, it would appear. Uh, it just doesn't act so much like a Cyberman. Yeah, it's not complete. It's, uh, uh, it's The face is like halfway off. Right, so you can still see the human face underneath, yeah. and it it's uh, apparently still got some of its emotion. Yeah. Um, the doctor believes that the Cyberman is there looking for something, and she has to find whatever it's looking for before it does. And it's asking, "Are you the guardian?" One thing about it. Um, ah. Never mind. It finds a uh, child. It, it doesn't kill it, like I said. Uh, and he is using electricity from the lightning to recharge. So, whatever that means. It also knows uh, either Mary Shelley's or Mr. Shelley's words. Um, but the companions find Shelley in a basement, and I guess He's the guardian of what's called a Siberium. Siberium. Have we heard that word before? Doesn't sound familiar no. to me. Nope. Uh, the doctor reads his memory, and he, and we. I guess he found a shiny liquid chrome thing in a river that's burrowed itself in his his arm. It's an artificial intelligence from the future, containing knowledge of the Cyberman history, strategies, decision making. Uh, whatever, and somebody, somebody sent it back to the past in an effort to change the future. Uh, whatever that means. Uh, so 13 has a choice to either let Shelly die or give it to the Cyberman, which she's not supposed to do because of Jack's uh, warning. Right. Yeah, so don't, but, don't give the, the lone Cyberman what he wants. What was the what, rest of that warning? Wants. Uh, I thought that no. was it. Beware the lone Cyberman. Don't give it There's what it more wants. More to it, like it would. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it. But uh, Mary talks to the Cyberman and tries to get through to it because it's slightly human, but it, that doesn't work. It, he attacks uh, a little bit. Mary kind of tosses her aside. Uh, so 13 does what she can only think to do, and she frees the Siberium from Mr. Shelley and takes it all for herself. So the Siberman's all like, well, I'm just going to kill the Earth then. And so 13 eventually just gives it what it wants, and it disappears. Now the plan from this point forward is to just go to the future, find him, and stop him from rebuilding the Cyber Army. And uh, then Graham talks about seeing ghosts, and that's about it for the episode. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's it. I guess both of these episodes, very, very standalone, other than the end of this episode. That's why this podcast episode is relatively short because there's not a ton to talk about in these episodes. It doesn't really allude to other things in the other episodes other than the vision of the timeless child and the lone Cyberman in this episode, which was really just set up for the two-part finale, you know, that starts next week. 
So really, these two episodes, they're not the strongest in the world. Like we said, the first half of this episode was boring. A majority of the last episode wasn't as strong as it could be because it had characters that were good, but they weren't utilized in the best possible way. I personally, way. like, if you, if we compare the first half of this episode, I would say the last episode was better than that. First but half, when, yeah. But the second half was better, so it sort of evens out. Right. It, it does. It evens out. They're very, I, I would say they're comparable episodes uh, for the most part, except this is better just because of the Lone Siren. And I don't even think the Lone Siren really showed up until really the end, not even the halfway point. I feel like it was, no, it was later closer on down. To the half. Because they went around, okay. you know, ch- chasing it and, and, it took a while for them to figure out the whole backstory behind behind the Siberium and stuff, and and also for the doctor to confront it I, after that. So there was a there, there was a bit. I will be I will be say that I am glad that it wasn't just a hundred percent filler either of these episodes. That it had things in it that you could enjoy, things in it that did allude to uh you know the stories that are going right, on. This so they season. can call back to. I that do appreciate. Yeah, and I do appreciate that because it makes it so the episodes aren't completely 100% pointless. I feel like a lot of the episodes in the last season were kind oh, of yeah. pointless uh, and everything. But well, this season, yeah. pretty much every episode has <laughs> has had something in it. Even if you had 90% filler, you still had to watch it probably for uh, something in it that happens. Which is good. And, you know, obviously you got Doctor Who haters that are on every forum that is known to man hating on it as much as they hate upon Star Wars. You know, those who are Star Wars fans, quote unquote. Uh, Same thing, you know. Um, It's just it's unfortunate. Any any long running uh, series will will get a lot of people that uh, focus so much on on nostalgia that they they sort of build up an idea of what they expect a series to be. And if it changes in any way, it's uncomfortable to them, and they will find ways to criticize that. Yeah, and it it really does just come down to expectations. Um, But yeah, those were the two episodes. Uh, There really wasn't much to talk about. Obviously, I feel like next week and the week after... Uh, hopefully the two-parter will really shine some light on a lot of stuff. I should stuff hopefully start bringing everything together, but there's always the possibility. We we were introduced to a lot of mysteries this season. It's very possible that they don't expect to answer everything this season. That's true enough, too. Uh, that's another thing that I hope to see out of the finale is just uh, connections, you know, uh, maybe opening some doors for the right. next season. Like, or whatever, remember, you know, not just leaving. Remember, it um, the end of season five. You know, they were at the end, at the very end of the episode. Amy's like, "What is the silence? Who is River Song? You know, all these all these questions, right? And and or no, that was the doctor. The doctor was asking River, "What are these things?" And and so that was basically saying, "This is what we're gonna find out next season. Come come watch us next season." <laughs> I don't really like that. And and yeah. and we did get, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> perfect but we did get more payoff to all that stuff in the next season that was pretty cool yeah yep and uh i mean that's 
that's about it uh, for this episode. Um, I'm actually glad that we did wait for to do a two-parter episode uh, for the podcast, given the fact that this is going to be just the same <laughs> length as any other podcast. We could have been if we did rush do doing the episode, an, though, as well. So. We could have been a little bit rushed. Uh, you know, we can't. Oh, you know, uh, one one thing I forgot but... I was going to mention is that the doctor says something about uh, I won't let another person be taken by a Cyberman. She was referring to Bill there. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill or uh, or uh, Mr. Pinkman. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Pink. Anybody cares about Danny Pink? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Nobody cares about P- Mr. Pink. He turned into a Cyberman yeah. too. Um, so yeah, into but if we did an episode, a podcast episode last week, it'd probably been like 20 minutes long. Possibly. Um, so possibly because there's not a lot to talk about, especially with that episode. There's more to talk about with this episode, but uh, you know, not much more. So. Yeah, so we I think we made a good call here waiting for another week. Call, All right, but yes. so <laughs> I think it was a great call. A great, great, it great call. Sort of happened um, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, do you have anything else to add about this episode? Uh, nah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm glad you thought about it for a second. All right, so... Well, yeah, that, that's usually the case with you. All right, so <laughs> until next week, guys, to go ahead and uh, subscribe to this podcast if you if you liked it and uh, because there's more coming out with that. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Smaller on the Outside. Make sure you go over there uh, and follow us. I, I post pictures of the episodes um and obviously the episode of the podcast um and i'm thinking about putting more stuff on there but anyways you can reach out to us on that facebook page uh and uh we made a shout out at the beginning of this episode there's always opportunities to make more shout outs in later episodes so uh until next week guys thanks for tuning in and peace out peace out